Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. Hey everybody, Jim Mitchell back with you for another edition of Liberty and the Law. And uh, you know, looking back on some of the recent podcasts we've done, um, along with Attorney James Dore, uh, we, we've taken a look at certain cases coming usually out of the United States Supreme Court, kind of dissect them and talk about the outcomes. And today, we have a couple of cases to talk about. Um, we don't have outcomes to talk about yet, which kind of makes it interesting, but um, boy, there's a couple of head scratchers here. So, Attorney James Dore, thanks for being here, and um, this is kind of a, a different approach for us, but I think these cases need to be discussed a little bit. No, I agree, Jim. And like you said, there's head scratchers, but they bring up some of the, you know, they, they, they dovetail nicely into some of the broader themes we discuss, you know, Fourth Amendment protections. And this gets down to the real, what do these protections mean? And when they're not protected, our, our interests aren't protected. This is the kind of, you know, these cases we're about to discuss, they show when, when things spin out of control, what can happen. And, you know, that's great because you talk about protections, and, and as we go through these, we're going to kind of look at them and go, how, how did these get this far if, if the system is set up to, uh, you know, have the right processes? So let, let's start out with the, um, I'll refer to as U.S. private vaults uh, case. This is one in which a warrant um, was used to try and, and get some, some assets or get a look in some private safe deposit boxes, and it just seemed to get, uh, a lot wider and a lot broader all of a sudden. What, what can you tell us at the high level about this right. case? Well, this one, this concerns a, a, a search warrant that was issued against U.S. private vaults, uh, the owners uh, specifically, and the um, the feds have been looking at these guys, and they're uh, involved in, in many illegal transactions that they point out in their affidavits for the search warrant, you know, uh, um, money laundering, Drug trade, the human trafficking. I mean, these are not these are not good people. But mm-hmm. they had as one of their businesses was a safe deposit box um, operation, and it was a lawful business. I mean, it was set up as a lawful business. If you look at the the affidavit for the for the search warrant, there's actually a photograph of the of the business. So it's in a kind of strip mall. It's not you know in your address like a First National Bank of whatever with mm-hmm. the pillars in front and the armed guard and all that, but there were legitimate safe deposit boxes that people could use. Um, and what happened was they, the, the feds got a warrant against the, the business owners. And when they seized, you know, the, the assets of the business owners, they also seized all the private uh, safety deposit boxes that were in this business. Um, there were no independent allegations, you know, related to the boxes, only to the business owners. So mm-hmm. um, they, they, basically exceeded their scope of their authority by going into all of the individual boxes. But we can get that a little bit, a little bit uh, yeah. more detail in it. But it does, it does concern um, the issue uh, of uh, serving a debt warrant uh, on this business and then some other innocent uh, property owners getting caught up in the seizure. Well, I, I read an article that you shared about this, and it, it dealt with you know the FBI, who was the uh, agency here who was uh, seeking the, the warrant. And I'm going to quote from that article, um, and I'll let you comment on this. It said, importantly, 
the FBI also did not tell the magistrate that they planned to forfeit property taken from the safe deposit boxes stored at U.S. private vaults or to use the contents for investigative purposes. So, so if I read that right, the FBI is asking for a warrant, but they're not even telling the court really what their intention is. That, that seems like an awfully significant breach of, of trust in the process. Oh, well, not only that, but the, that same court had said they are explicitly, he explicitly forbade the FBI from seizing the, the safe deposit boxes and the contents other than to try to determine the lawful owners and return their property. That was the only thing, the only exception he gave was, you know, it didn't, it, the warrant, it didn't authorize it to search or seizure of the contents. It authorized them to try to notify the correct owners so they can return their property, right? But mm-hmm. in, in, in seizing those boxes, they did. They did seize the boxes, and there's approximately $85 million worth of cash, jewelry, and other private uh, um, property in these boxes that they sought to forfeit. And they they use this this language that causing you know, that calls into question the legality of, of safe deposit boxes or why sure. anybody other than you know some kind of crook would want to use it. They they make a quote here in their in their affidavit. It reads here: "There's no reason for non-criminal clients to use USPV. That's the U.S. Uh, um, private vaults that we're discussing." It reads, legitimate customers need not pay to store cash, but can receive interest and insurance by depositing in a money market or other financial account. So to discredit any use of private security boxes like this, safe deposit boxes. But even though they even in the same affidavit later on, the FBI says private safe deposit boxes are not in and of themselves illegal or suspicious. But they want to seize those items. And what more importantly, they want the people who want their items back, their private property, they want to use the, the, you know, find out who those people are so they can determine if they have some drug issues that they can be concerned mm-hmm. about. So they still want to go the next step further. It's like, well, let me t- tell us who they are, and we may have a reason to hold the assets, withhold the assets from them too, you know. So they're way beyond their bounds. Yeah, they, they very, very, very concerning when you read this. Now, what what's the current status? Is this uh, – obviously, it's, it's – uh, uh, something that, as you said, the, the court initially rejected, uh, yet the seizure has taken place. Would you know what's happening next here? I think the, the property is pending. The, the return of the property is in question. There's private uh, owners who are suing for the return of their property. And um, the court uh, shot down the, the uh, claim by the prosecutors that this was a legitimate use or they had you know basis mm-hmm. to try to hold on to this. Like I said, they want to determine if there's another basis to hold on to this and forfeit the money. And, and, the, and the judge is saying no. They, it, it's so that the suit that was uh, they were trying to, the feds were trying to block the suit to, to return them the property. So that mm-hmm. that was that was their effort to block it was stopped. And then I guess the proceeding is going forward for the return of the item. So right now it's pending uh, uh, litigation. But uh, I think that the, the government stands on some pretty weak grounds here as far as exceeding uh, um, the scope yeah. of the warrant that they've given. And, and when you and I talk about other cases and we talk about uh, um, some of the motions you might file, you mentioned at the beginning, hey, you know, these people were probably not good people, some of them anyway, the ones that the FBI was originally after. But um, does something like this then ultimately taint their case? And could they have sort of let everyone – 
off the hook by by gathering evidence in this manner then? Uh, it might, maybe not necessarily against the, the original criminal suspects that they have who okay. own this business. But if they mm-hmm. want to go that next step of taking the items that they got out of an individual safe deposit box and trying to initiate another investigation based solely on that, now we're, that's, that's a problem. I would file a motion. I would file a motion to exclude any evidence related to that. Um, this, is private, this is private property that was illegally seized. It should be returned to the, to the owners. Um, you know, they're, not, they're not alleging that there's contraband that they won't for, you know, return. They're not saying that there's, you know, uh, illegal weapons or, or you, know, uh, you know, pounds of cocaine or something. Mm-hmm. This, this, there's assets that they want to seize. Government, you know, they're not trying to see somebody's cocaine. They're trying to see somebody's cash and their jewelry and their valuables. Yeah. They want that, yeah. and that's, that's what's wrong about this. Wow, great uh, enlightening discussion with Attorney James Dorr of Lavelle Law today. And um, we, I've mentioned podcasts that he and I have done together, many of them now. Uh, been doing this for a number of years, and you can listen to them all at lavellelaw.com. Um, we always have uh, great conversations about things happening. Uh, Supreme, Supreme Court, uh, state courts, federal courts, uh, all different uh, approaches and views. And now, James, let's turn our attention down to Texas, um, where uh, someone by the name of Lucille Basco was put through a rather uh, terrifying ordeal. And uh, again, we have uh, kind of a, a bad process leading up to it. Tell me, tell me what, expi- or what uh, transpired here. Right. I, I came across this, this article in a, in a magazine called Reason Magazine. I think the article, the, the title of the article says it perfectly. And I, let me quote, Texas cops realized they raided the wrong house, period. They kept searching anyway. Um, I think that tells you that the, the warrants that they had <laughs> was for the wrong house. Uh, they realized that they were in the wrong house, and they still continued to search that house, even after realizing it was the wrong horse. House having the, the owner in handcuffs. Uh, her child screaming and crying. Uh, they busted down the door. Uh, this was, you know, early morning hours or late at night. Mm-hmm. So uh, eight cops came through, and it was based solely on a confidential informant's um, a, a tip that this was a, a drug house, that he had, re- mm-hmm. he had purchased uh, methamphetamine at this house. So now uh, – well, and this sounds familiar. If, if we're in Chicago, people listening, this sounds familiar to a to a situation that happened here in the past year as well. Right? Are there similarities to that case? Absolutely similar. No knock warrants, based on uh, um, shoddy investigation and 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 uh, suspect information based on confidential informants. So confidential informants are they're normally trying to get out of their own arrests. They're not <laughs> active uh-huh. or, or highly you know, credible people. But yeah, and uh, Anjanette Young is, was a uh, lady's name, and she was handcuffed. Uh, I believe, it, and she was naked in the house. And they got her on yep. they, they got her on uh, on body cam and everything else. This poor woman, and it was the wrong house. And they still, you know, they continue to investigate. They they keep people in handcuffs, which is unlawful. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it, it's it, it's it's shoddy uh, investigative work. Um, so you, you mentioned, first of all, that this was perceived to be by an informant, mm-hmm. a, a facility, a home that, that had stored, perhaps sold drugs. Um, you know, in terms of what you know of the case, w- would this have been sufficient activity to, to even have a search warrant to begin with, uh, just going on, on an informant's 
you know, mentioning the address in the place without seeing or the, observing the anything sad else? Reality is the, the sad reality, Jim, is warrants are based on this all the time. Uh, officers go in under under oath, and they and they give this information. And in this case, they didn't do the proper investigation. They testified that they did. They testified that they thoroughly researched and vetted the information given by the confidential informant, but they didn't. You know, they went so far in this case to pull over, um, you know, the, the, the young woman uh, involved in the case, found out, so they, get this, they did a traffic stop. I don't know the basis of it, but they wanted to see who she was and, you know, you know uh, investigate her a little bit. But they found out during the course of that stop that she was a nurse, um, you know, she left one of the times that, that to go and get her child and come back. There was no anything uh, related to any illegal uh, uh, activity mm-hmm. going on. But they still decided to go with the confidential informants and, and information and, and, and search this house. And, again, they, they, they keep coming back to the same things. But it's, 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 you know, they're using confidential informants, questionable character people, to get into our homes, Right. And it, it's improper. Yeah, and, and with just a minute or so left here, now the follow-up is that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ms. Basco is, is now suing, um, looking for, you know, some some return on this. But uh, are the officers protected in some way against um, individually against being charged in some way? Well, that's the thing. The officers involved in that Texas case all claim that they had qualified immunity, Um and if you're in a, in a lawfully engaging in, in your activity as an officer, you are you are covered by this immunity. If it's an honest mistake and something like that, but when you clearly exceed the, the bounds of your authorized conduct, you, you start to, to possibly lose that qualified immunity. And, and in, I think a couple of the officers here, they had lost that uh, immunity, so they are they are going to um, you know have to go forward in the civil suit of their own. Um, based on that conduct. Well, um, certainly want to thank you for taking some time today. As always, uh, great to look and uh, kind of discuss some of these uh, cases as they're coming up. It's nice to be able to do that in, in real time. So many thanks to Attorney James Dorr for uh, spending some time with us again today, as he always does here on Liberty and the Law. Um, we'll always keep an eye out for new uh, cases, new rulings, and things that uh, are impacted by the law, impacted uh, by decisions happening and by activities uh, both uh, among police or other investigative groups and the courts. And uh, we'll share all that information with you here on Liberty and the Law. Thank you all so much for joining us. And again, LavelleLaw.com to learn more about James Dore, his practice, and to uh, download many of our past podcasts. Thanks so much for listening.